Yeah, next week we start our Christmas services and uh, we launch those uh, November 25th and then that's the start. The next Sunday, December 2nd, we have baptism right here. December 9th is our SP Kids Christmas on stage, all of our kids. December 16th is our Christmas Spectacular Celebration Service. And then the 23rd is our candlelight service. So we have something every Sunday for the next five Sundays. As if we didn't every Sunday anyways. But we have something for you to enjoy every single Sunday. And here's the biggest reason we do what we do. It gives you an opportunity to invite. It's a tool. The reason we name them, the reason we put focuses on them, it gives you an opportunity to invite somebody. There's people living next to us, working next to us, that don't have a church home, and they're needing the hope that you have. Amen? All right, so let's invite somebody to come experience it with us. For today, however, we're going to wrap up this series over legacy. And I'm still having flashbacks of Jonathan over here in the, in the suit. That's pretty cool. Um, we're going to start, we're going to start the finale message today of legacy. So if you have your orange bulletin, there's some notes in there. Follow along with us today. There's going to be some good stuff today. I'm a little fired up. I hope that you're ready for that. Can everybody handle the fired up, Scott? You all right with that? All right, good, good. Y'all remember that about halfway through. You know, the, the, the reason that we do this legacy series is to remind us. That's what it's for, is to remind us. I have, I have said throughout this series, really I try to say it often, that I feel like we're a very healthy church. You're a very giving church. You're a very serving church. Um, but it's to remind us. It's to remind us so that we never forget that our purpose, the reason we put it on the wall is not just for decoration out there. That's our purpose at South Point is to love God and to love people. Amen? And those are action words, right? It's not just saying, oh, I love those people and I love those people, but love is a verb. That's what Jesus said. This is how we know what love is, right? That God loved us and gave his son for us. That's how we know. Because he loves us and he gave his son. How, how do we know that Jesus loved us? Because he gave his life for us, right? That's, that's how we know that. And th- that love God and love people when we're doing that, can I tell you what, the, what the, the point that Jesus says, love God and love people, the point of that is so that we would make a difference. That people in your life, they would see you loving God and they would see you loving people and together that makes a difference in their lives. Amen? Are y'all with me? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you're with me today. I'm excited that you're here. You know, when it's cold and drizzly at the end of November, I'm thinking, okay, if there's six people, we're going to get them all right here on the front rows, and I'm going to preach lights out right there. But since there's a little more than six, I'm excited that you're here. Uh, with loving God and loving people, we try to create things, and you, you hear this throughout the year, we try to create things at South Point, our our vision, our next steps, all of those help us to do those things. You've, you've seen these. The first one is to love God That's what, or to know God. That's what we want you to do at South Point. When somebody goes, well, how do I get on track with God? How do I start loving God and loving people? What we'll say is, well, first thing, you need to know God. It doesn't matter anything else you do if you don't know God, right? The, the second thing is we want to we grow your faith, and, and we, we love God through our, we, we hope to introduce you to God that you would know God through our Sunday morning services. That's why we pray at the end of them. But we hope that you'll grow your faith through all the different varieties of small groups that we have. I mean, we have tons of different small groups, all kinds of varieties. We have them multiple days of the week, evenings, afternoons, mornings. uh, And it's to help you grow your faith. The third thing is we want you to discover your purpose. Come on, give me a big amen on Discover Purpose. 
We want you to discover your purpose because let me tell you something. A person that understands their purpose on this planet is a dangerous person in a good way. There's somebody that's going to love God and love people with such passion that they're going to make a difference in their world. Amen? And then, and then the fourth one, that's all three of these added up. That's know God, grow your faith, discover your purpose. You know what that equals? Everybody say make a difference. Make a difference. Now let me share something with you. I, I think I shared this last year, but let me share something with you that I always don't share with this together. This is why we talk about legacy. Because the world wants to pull us in its direction. And if you don't say, you know what, how can I get on God's agenda for my life? Like God's will. What God says throughout scripture is his will for my life. Then the world will say, if you don't do that, the world will say, hey, guess what? I've got an agenda for you. That's what the world says. And, and it is this. The world will say, I want you to, to know me. Like in you, in yourself. I want you to know yourself. I want you, me, me is the center of this world, right? Elbow your neighbor and say he's talking about you, right? Me is the center of this world. I'm trying to start a fight on Sunday morning. And, and yeah, me is the center of this world. I want everything around me. And because of that, I need to grow my, not my faith, but my fame, Right? I need, I need the attention on me. I need people telling me how great I am and sending me emails. And I need a certain number of likes on social media. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. And to do that, the, to do that I'm going to have to discover not my purpose, but I'm going to have to discover a platform. Something that I can do that draws lots of attention. Right? Do you see, do you see the conflict here in the world's ways and God's ways? And, the, and then the end, if you add those three up, you don't get make a difference. You get the goal of the world is to make a dollar. And we understand, believe me, I'm going to show you a video at the end, of this, the end of this message that helps us to see, reminds us that making a dollar is just a byproduct of living for God. That's what we hope. It's not a goal of life. Amen? Because I, it's one of the saddest things in the world when you, when you have all of it you have. And you're not happy. I love Jim Carrey, uh, an actor. He's, he's about half a bubble off. But I love his speech that he gave to a college back in May when he said, I wish that everybody, I wish that everybody could get everything they ever wanted and to show them that that doesn't fulfill you. I wish they could get all the money and all the fame that they want because you'd be able to see that that doesn't fulfill you. The only thing Jim Carrey's missing are the first four steps there, that, that number one. Of knowing God. That's what he's missing. He needs, some, he needs some God to connect all the dots. To say, the reason you're good at that is because God's given you gifts. The reason I've put you in that spot so you can discover your purpose. And through all of that, so that you can make a difference for God on this planet. Yeah, I got a couple people with me this morning. Yeah, that, that's why we do what we do. To remind us. The world has an agenda. And God has an agenda. God has a will for you. A good perfect and pleasing will for you. Isn't that great? Aren't you glad that he doesn't say he's got a trying, tough, long, hard will for you? No, thanks. Right? But when he says, if you'll trust me, I will guide you. If you'll put your faith in me, I will guide you into my good, perfect, and pleasing will. Last week, I shared some of our 2019 focus. We talked about some of our goals here at South Point. We talked about our, our local goals here in the metro area, kind of all this area. We talked about our national goals, some things that we want to do nationally. One of those, I'll give you an update. One of those was that we've partnered with ARC, which is the Association of Related Churches, churches from all walks, all denominations, all that got together and said, listen, we want to do more. 
We want to have some leadership. We want to have some purpose. But behind it, what ARC is doing is this. Here's their 2019 goal. Are you ready? Are you, this is why I'm telling you because this is some of the legacy that South Point's going to leave. Their goal with all these churches that are together, our goal with ARC is to start a hundred life-giving churches in 2019. A hundred churches in 2019 alone. Okay, well, all right, let's pray. If nobody's excited about that, we're just going to close up shop. I'm going to go get me some chicken. A hundred churches. When I think about how the world, the world doesn't need another church. Do you think Oklahoma needs another church? No way. You know what they need? You know what Oklahoma needs is some life-giving, purpose-driven churches. Some, some churches with the Spirit of God in them that says, you know what, my goal is to know God and His will for my life. And then I'm going to dis- discover His purpose. And then I'm going to grow in my faith. And then all those things are going to add up. And I'm going to make a difference. That's the legacy I'm going to live, leave for my family, for my church, for my world. Amen? Those are some of the things we're going to do. So let me, let me share a scripture with you. Proverbs 29. And I've read this before. Let me, Proverbs 29 is, the, is a famous scripture. In King James, it says, without a vision, the people perish. Okay? So without a vision, lose heart, lose direction, we die. The NIV version says, without a revelation, the people cast off restraint. That means without a revelation, an epiphany, an understanding of what God wants to do in your life, we cast off restraint. That means we throw our guidelines, our rules, our, our hopes and dreams. That's, we just throw those to the side and we go do what we want. Some more of that world agenda, right? But let me read it to you in the message version. Have you ever heard Proverbs 29, 18 in the message? Listen to what it says. If, if people can't see what God is doing... They stumble over themselves. And you wonder why we talk about so much. It's not to brag on South Point or to brag on Ark or to brag on hope is alive. It's to tell you what God's doing through us, through people. So we won't stumble over ourselves so that we stay laser focused. But listen to the second part. But they attend to what he reveals. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Everybody say most blessed. Oh, yes. I read that a few years ago, and I'm like, Lord, right now, I'm stopping studying. I'm praying, Lord, I want most blessed. What is most blessed? I want that. Whatever that is, I want it. I don't even need a definition. I want most blessed in my life, right? If you could say Scott Morris was most blessed, ding, 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 I'm done. I'm good right there. How do we get that? By attending what he wants. By saying, Lord, I read it. I believe it. We've developed a plan. We're heading toward it. Amen? That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Listen to a scripture that been in my craw for about two weeks now. I'm going to share it with you today. Is that all right? Remember, I said I was a little fired up today. We pray, and since we switched to doing transitions, uh, like one of our staff pastors comes out and does the transition after worship instead of me. For the first seven or eight years, I would come up from the floor and I would do the transition. And I thought, well, I hate for it to be the Scott Morris hour, so let's include some other people. We've done that. But when, when we do that, I miss a little mini message of five minutes that I used to get to preach. And, and in that mini message, I would always say that we pray every week. We pray in our staff meeting. We pray throughout our week that while you're here, whatever that time would be, whatever that reason would be, that God would use it to speak to your heart. Because no matter what the message or the worship or the lesson is in kids or students, whatever that is, if God would speak to you, we can change the world. Amen? And and this message right here today 
I, I want to pray that as we prayed that God would nudge you, that God would lead you, that God would encourage you to take a step, I'm going to step out a little bit today and I'm going to try to nudge you. Is that all right? Under, under just the, the swift kick in the seat from the Holy Spirit. How about that? Each of us. Not that we're not doing a good job, but that, well, really for this scripture. Listen, listen to this. 2 Corinthians 6 says this, verse 2. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Everybody say now. Now. You ever, you ever think about when, when Paul wrote that to the Corinthians, he understood I'm writing it now, and I mean now. Like here's an opportunity. But I'm going to have to give it to somebody that's going to walk it or ride it on a carriage or whatever to the people in Corinth. Because they're going to read, that's what this letter was for, 2 Corinthians. It was the second letter to the Corinthians. And it's going to be months from now, maybe even years from now before they read it. Will that still be now? Sure. And then we read it now. And we go, well, really, that was written for people 2,000 years ago. Is it really mean now? And can I tell you something? God is speaking to us, and he is saying, now. Now is the time for salvation. Now is the time for God to do what he wants to do. It's the time of God's favor. The opportunities that God continually lays in front of South Point, I go, God, it only can be you. And now is the time. And here's what I'm going to ask you today. Here's gonna, I'm going to nudge you a little bit in the right direction. What's it time for you today? I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I'm going to pray throughout this message that God would speak to us. What's your next step? What's God saying, all right, you've been here for a while. Now's the time. Now's the time of God's favor in your life. Now's the time of salvation once again in your life. Let's take a step. And here, here's what, something I would challenge you to do today. You may want to take two or three God may have a big advance in your life. When's the last time you've heard a message like this from me? I want to nudge you a little bit today. Amen? So, oh, ooh, ooh, that was kind of weak amens. I'm on the right track. You know I love you. That, that, any, even if you're here for the first time, just ask somebody. We, we have a, I believe, we have said this for six months. It's, it's funny. I believe that we're in the healthiest stage we've ever been at South Point. We, there's no drama, there's no politics, people are excited about what God's doing, we're growing at a good pace, like I'm excited about what God's doing, we're at a good spot. We've been saying that for a few months, and then you know what God said? I'm glad you're enjoying it, because now's the time. That's what he said, now's the time. I'm like, great Lord, I would hate for you to say that when we're dragging bottom, but I'm excited that you have supplied and given opportunity, and say now's the time. We're on the lookout, Lord, what's our next step, Amen. So, so maybe it's time for this. Everybody shout, maybe it's time. Woo! Maybe it's time for this. I'm going to start with the big one first. Maybe it's time you commit your whole life to God. Whew. Maybe, maybe you've committed your life to God. Maybe you said, Lord, you can have me. I love you. This is the right plan for my life. But maybe there's a part of your life that is still not under God's control. This, uh, whether that be your career your finances, your entertainment, whatever that would be, that God would say, here is an area that's holding you back. Here's an area that's hindering you from being where I want you, that good, pleasing, and perfect will. And maybe it's time today to say, Lord, it's been like 80% or it's been like 65%, and today I'm all in. Listen to what he told Jeremiah. He said this in Jeremiah 29. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will stop the things that are holding you back. When you commit, 
to me wholeheartedly. When you say, I'm not just going to seek you on Sunday morning from, from 9.30 to 10.30. Somebody elbow your neighbor. Right? I, I, I am my heart, my goal, my will for your life, God said, is that you seek me wholeheartedly. Not because I'm just selfish in an unreasonable kind of way. Because I know that once you give everything to me, it doesn't mean everything else is evil. God blessed you with your job. He blessed you with your gifts and hobbies and opportunities. But he wants to put those in line with his will so those blessings don't become curses. Sometimes our very strengths, I tell people when they're 20, 25 years old, man, you are so gifted in this area. You better give it to God. Because a strength that is not controlled by God, that God didn't get to put the reins on and break that horse and guide that horse and make it a perfect cutting horse that can do what needs to be done, that strength can turn into the very things that pulls your feet out from under you. Maybe today, maybe today it's time to give God your whole heart. Maybe, maybe there's somebody here today that would say, yeah, I've read that whole uh, clap your hands, all you people, shout to God with a voice of triumph. I've read that, but you're still kind of the toe-tapping person. Maybe today, God will help you to take a step. I see a bunch of grinning going on. I'm talking to some people. Maybe maybe today, God would say, I want to move you one step. I want to move you two steps. I want to grow you. Not for God's benefit, for your benefit. The second one is this. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to surround yourself with the right relationships. Whew, Goodness. You know how easy that is to say and how difficult that is to do? It, it's like surgery. If you have something that needs to be removed, it is best if you don't do it in six small surgeries. It is best that you just go under, give it up, and let them go in and take it all. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same way. We, let me tell you, we, we had lunch a couple of weeks ago with some the people that are... They grew up in church. They know a lot about ministry. They're involved in different ministries. And they started coming to South Point and wanted to ask us some questions. And so we went out and they asked, how, how many people are involved in your small groups? You know, because there's a lot of people that do small groups. And my wife gave them the stats, somewhere around like 72%. And he was like, what? 72%? Like the national average is like 30. You're saying y'all are more than like twice as much? I said, no, we're more like two and a half times as much. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm not saying, like, what are y'all doing? I don't know. We're given opportunity. That's part of our vision that, that you need to be surrounded by people that will help you grow in your faith. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is great, but this is one-sided. This is Scott talking. You, every now and then you get to yell amen or repeat after me or elbow your neighbor or something like that. But where the real iron sharpens iron is in that small group with three other couples or six other singles or however many is in your group is where you can go, okay, okay, I heard that in the message. We read that in this book. But how do you apply that? I don't understand. How do, you, how, do you, how do you live the first six months your kid not sleeping? You know, like how do you get through that? And to have some experienced people in there that goes, it does get better. You, you can live on an hour and a half every four hours for the first six months. It's amazing, but you can. And we've all made it through it. But we know it's difficult, so we're here for you. Let us help you. Don't give up on your faith. Grow in your faith. That's what, that's what happens in small groups. Do you know that? that listen to Proverbs 13.20 says this. <clears throat> Walk with the wise and become wise. Y'all know where the other half of this is going right. For a companion of fools suffers harm. I have said for 25 years, got it from a lady who is in her... Uh, 
well, she's probably late 60s, early 70s, who's still in youth ministry, who was a big inspiration to me. Can you imagine being in your 70s and being in youth ministry? She's incredible. Jeannie Mayo, and she has said for about 45 years, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me who is speaking influence into your life. Show me who you're venting to and are venting back. Show me who you're asking for advice. Show me who you are telling about your week. Show me who you're saying, how do you apply this? What are some principles of life? Show me those people that are speaking into your life, and I'll show you who you will follow after. And it's one of the scariest truths I've ever spoken. It's so true. And God says to us, you're not designed to be alone. You're not designed to go through life alone. You're designed for community. From the beginning of time, start in Genesis about 2, and you get to see God says, it's not good for man to be alone. These suckers get depressed way too easy. These guys get in trouble when they're alone. They do things that they wouldn't do in community. You know what? I'm going to make them a helpmate. I'm going I'm to encourage them. In fact, they're going to have a family. We're going to put bunches of them together because they're just not good, even in pairs. They, just, they need bunches of people around them. You understand what I'm saying? From the beginning, God says you're designed for community. I want to encourage you today. Like, the reason we do point groups is we don't get an award for being 72%. Do you know that? We do that because it's a crucial area that was missing years ago in the church. We were great at Sunday morning, big event, Sunday night, big service, Wednesday night, big service. When is anybody ever meeting to iron sharpens iron? Sometimes if they had Sunday school, they'd do that. But when could you sit with other couples? When could you sit with other teenagers? When could you sit with people in your stage of life and go, how do you live this out? You know, some of the things that I remember the most and quote the most aren't out of God's word. They're from godly people that are living God's word telling me how to do it. Because I, I know it. I understand it, but I need the wisdom of applying it. That's why we do small groups. Maybe today, maybe today you'll walk by the small group table and go, give me a brochure, it's time. Maybe it's time now to get involved and not live life alone. Number three is this. Maybe it's time to discover your God-given purpose. Woo! One of the most exciting things that you'll ever do in this life is watch God take one of those gifts that you snuffed out 10 years ago that you've never activated and God reactivate it in your life and go, hey, did you forget? This is what you're good at. This is what you're natural at. This is what I wired you for. And the reason you have it is to add to the kingdom of God. And in the process, it adds to the kingdom of God and then it adds to you. It adds to the kingdom of God and it adds to you. The reason that using your gifts is part of discipleship, when Jesus would say, okay, I've trained you, now y'all go out and do it. Go help people. Go pray for people. Go whatever he needed people to do is because that people interaction, that using your gifts, that's the other half of discipleship. It's not just what we know. It's what we're doing with it. Amen? Listen to what it says, Psalm 139, 16. says, all the, days for all, the, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Think about that. You believe that? Is that true? Do you believe that God knew all of your days before you ever took a breath? Because if that's true, and if you believe that, that's a game changer. That means no matter which direction your story's going right now, God knows where he wants it to go. Isn't that great? That however far, like, listen, I went for 23 years in the wrong direction. On purpose. And God said, that's cool. I know a shortcut. I'll get you back. 
It's kind of like this. Like the, the right way to get from Oklahoma City to Dallas is how? Does anybody not know how to get to Dallas from here? What's the big road you take south? I-35, right. Has anybody ever taken Highway 81 to go? Yep. Can you get there? Absolutely. Do you know that it's not just I-35? I've actually taken a, go, take I-44 over to Chickasha and south, and you can cut over, and then it goes, 81 goes straight into Fort Worth, and then you can cut over. It takes about twice as long. There's about 712 speed traps between here and there. Y'all been there. And, but can I tell you, it, it's, not, it's not the best way. It's not the shortest and fastest way. But I want you to understand, God knows where you're at on the map right now. And if you'll just say, Lord, let's start back with that knowing God thing. I'm going to surrender 100% to you because I want to know what you have designed me for. What is the purpose for my life? What are the gifts that you've given me? Help me to develop what you've given me. God will take you in, on a, from a wrong turn. And it'll correct. It's called a course correct. If you ever have one of those little things on your dash or on your phone, and it says you are off course. Course correction is, and they'll tell you, hang a left here, go 62 miles, <laughs> cut up back over to I-35, hang a right. Now you're on the right track. I never thought, never thought in a million years at 23 years old I would be in ministry. Never. When I started volunteering and helping in youth and I was cutting out stuff and painting stuff and I was the guy that didn't know anything about church so they just gave me all the manual labor stuff. Great, I'm here to do it. I just need to not go to my house and get in trouble. All right, I need to stay here at the church. And I was doing, I never dreamed of being in ministry. Me and, me and Jenny get married. We, we talked, hey, maybe one of these days we'll finish our degrees and then we'll go off to Bible college somewhere and we'll see how that works. Never dreamed about being in ministry. And then a pastor called and said, we hear that you and Jenny are doing a great job at this little bitty podunk church over in the middle of nowhere. How did you hear that? We want to give you an opportunity to come jump into ministry. Now, you, I don't want you to be swayed by money, so we're going to give you $200 a week. And can I tell you, when we hung up that phone and we started talking about it, we started bawling and going, what is God doing? Never dreamed being ministry. Do I have to get a caller? Like, what, what, what is, I, I didn't grow up. I've only been saved about a year. What does this involve? Do I have to kill chickens? You know, like sprinkle blood on the altar? I don't, what? I need to go through something first. Yeah. And as we interviewed with them, and God connected it in our hearts, you know what God did? He said, this is what I had all along. All this, as you're getting in trouble for at school, I'm going to put that in the pulpit. You're going to get paid for it, not punished for it. Only when you give it to me. And God took for way 23 years. You know how far you can go in 23 years the wrong direction? God course corrected that. In about a year, I was right where he wanted me. I'm telling you, he's saying the same thing today. Today, now is the time. Now, quit shopping. Quit kicking the tires. Now is the time to discover, and let me correct that. Let me discover and start operating in your God-given purpose. The greatest fulfillment you will ever have is when you go, I think God used me today to touch that person's life. That's it. That's why you're on the planet right there, period. You may have helped raise the finances to build the Devon Tower. You may have poured the concrete, put the steel together, and stuck the last window in. That wasn't your God-given purpose. It may have been the fruit out of that. Maybe touch the people. Let me tell you, when you use what God's given you to touch people's lives, because people's all it is, that's the greatest fulfillment 
of a human being's life. Touching people's lives. Here's why. Ephesians 2.10 says this. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us to do advance for us to do. In advance. God prepared for us in advance. I'm so excited I can't read a paragraph today. I love those scriptures together. I love to think God just knows us well enough. He put things in your life and in my life. And he said, one of these days, one of these days, maybe November 18th, one of these days, God's going to speak into your life and you're going to say yes. And that's all you need. You're going to say yes or whatever you have for me, I want it all. And he's going to take those works and those gifts that he's prepared in advance for you to do. And you're going to grab a gear with that. You know what grabbing a gear is, right? When you just in granny gear. If you've ever driven a tractor, they have a granny gear. And it's about a half a mile an hour. Now, you can pull a building down with it because there's a lot of torque. But once you get out on the road, you have to grab a gear. You have to get a few more gears up in the tree so that you can move on down the road. That's what God wants to do to you today. You've been in granny gear. That's good. You're making some progress. But can I tell you that I want you to grab a couple of gears today? Because I have stuff for you that I've prepared in advance for you to do. Last one is this. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to live a life doing something that really matters. Man, can you imagine? Can you imagine seeing purpose every day, all day in whatever you're doing? You get up in the morning, you're going to take a shower, and you go, I get to go to work today. Oh, my God, what's God going to do today in me? I'm going to keep my eyes open, my ears open. I've been working on God using my gifts and abilities to, use, to, to make a difference through me into people's lives at work. My boss, oh, he needs Jesus bad, right? The, my coworker, the one that doesn't use headphones, that likes to play music and everybody can hear it, that kind of, yeah. But can I tell you, there's so many different stories in here. People that have done the exact same thing, have done that, that have chased the world and said, no, it's all about knowing me and getting fame and making a buck and all, and go, I don't want that. I want what God, and we have, I went to lunch about six months ago with a guy in our church, and he started telling me his story. And I said, can you tell us that story to, to the church? Would, would you mind sharing that story? Because in November, we're going to do a series of, called Legacy, where we're just going to remind us. We're going to remind us that we're all in this for a purpose. God's got a plan for us. And he said, absolutely, I'd love to. And I want to share that story with you now. Meet Mr. Chad. My name is Chad Brooks. I'm 32 years old, and I'm from Bridge Creek, Oklahoma. Uh, I'm married to the love of my life, and we have three beautiful children, Bella, Hattie, and Baker. In 2007, uh, I was uh, selling cars at an automobile dealership and decided that I'd venture out and start my own marketing agency. Initially, my goal was to make $10,000 a month, and I quickly accomplished that goal, and that number continued to double. And over eight years, we doubled our annual revenues each year. But with each year, um, I felt a bigger sense of discontentment. It wasn't until year after year of going through the motions and chasing uh, uh, financial goals or possessions that I finally realized something that the Lord was trying to tell me for a long time. I feel like the Lord used that business opportunity and those relationships as a way to show me that there's much more to life than seeking for your own gain. So we decided to do something unconventional. I was in a spot where I really wanted to have some space 
um, and I just felt burnt out from all the pursuits. So we decided to buy a motorhome and hit the road for a couple years. And we were able to see 42 states. We saw the Golden Gate Bridge, the Statue of Liberty, and I could tell stories for hours about all of our adventures. After about a year and a half of this lifestyle, I came to my wife and realized that I still wasn't pursuing what the Lord really had in store for me. Even all the freedom in the world um, helped me to realize that there's a part of me that isn't being fulfilled if I'm not busy contributing uh, to the growth of something. So in the fall of 2016, my wife and I decided to open an office back up and that I was going to return back to work. We have a, a different goal in mind, a goal where we can contribute more, where we can build a more sustainable organization, and where we can bake in more time, quality time with, with our friends and with our family. So the this, this story is still unfolding, and I don't know the end. And it, it, took, um, it took me dedicating almost 10 years of my life and 85% of my conscious time chasing earthly riches and, and success for me to realize that that wasn't ultimately what gave me the peace to know that uh, I'm leaving a legacy, right? To know that I'm, uh, I'm sowing into things that are bigger than me. And, and that's the, uh, that was the realization for me.